The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. Rhythm, by definition, is this repeated pattern of some kind of activity. We want to be in this repetition of these practices um, that God calls us to. This is a time of the year, as you know, that the volume of activity in your life is just turned all the way up. And we think that, oh, when, you know, when December comes around, it'll quiet down, but it doesn't. It just gets cranked up so loud, we become deaf to it all. And we're looking for, well, when I get a break, then things will calm down. When, when I'm not doing this anymore, it'll calm down. We find ourselves just in this, uh, like on this gerbil wheel, uh, trying to find rest. And, and the question is, how are you doing with that? Uh, I ask you, how has your week been? And, and the first thing out of your mouth is, I'm busy. I've been really busy. And we, we all say that. And now, we, we can't change that. Uh, I, we can't change a lot in our lives. I can't give you more time. Every single one of us lives life at the same pace, 24 hours a day, you know, 60 minutes an hour. We all live the same amount of time in the same amount of space. And I, so I can't give you more. Uh, I can't change your boss or your spouse or your roommate. But God's word can give something to us. It introduces us a way to live that is a reflection of God's good work in our life and through us as recipients of his just gracious redemption and his love for us. And so we should be asking instead of like, how do we minimize things and, and get less busy? We say, God, how do I, how do I live as, as a follower of you in a repeated pattern of what you've called me to? What can I be thinking about and doing? And so we're using this five-letter acronym Uh, in this series to help remind us and encourage us for how to live. And that acronym is BLESS. The word is BLESS. Each week we'll dive deeper into one of these actions that God's called us to. Last week we looked at BLESS. The B stands for BLESS. Blessing others uh, because God has blessed us. And then LISTEN, which we actually get to today. We listen to God while we listen empathetically to others. And the third week is EAT. This will be many of your favorite week. EAT. We want to practice this sharing of our lives intentionally with people. We want to sit down with them over a meal. We want to open up our homes. We want to um, share uh, bread together, um, figuratively speaking. And, and then we want to speak. The first S is speak. We want to speak praise to God, and, and we want to speak to our neighbor with truth and love. And lastly, we want to Sabbath. We, we want to rest because God created and then rested. We want to rest because we, we are not God and God is God. And so in all of our celebrating and our recreating, we want to, in our working, we want to take time and make sure that we are in this repeated pattern of resting uh, before the Lord. And so last week we began this series talking really through Genesis 1 through 12. And by Genesis 11, if you remember, like humanity has hit an ultimate low. I mean, things are really bad. The condition of creation of mankind is worse than it's ever been. God chose a man, then Abraham. He went to this man named Abraham and said, go from your hometown, go from your country, your father's home, uh, go from your reputation. I will bless you and you will be a blessing and all nations will be blessed through you. And as God called this man Abraham, he called him and he said, I want your story, I want you to leave your story, leave your life, leave your habits and, and follow my story. Leave the life that you have created for yourself and now begin to follow my plan for your life. Leave your life as you know it and live the life that I've called you into. And I am your God and I am faithful. And he does. He actually, against 
uh, against all odds, he, he, actually, he actually obeys God and trusts him and leaves um, and follows, takes, embraces this invitation from God to trust in him. And as God has called Abraham, he, he actually calls us as well. Personally embracing that call today to leave our story and to follow God's story, knowing that in Christ we are blessed as Abraham was blessed. We are children of Abraham by faith in Jesus. This is what the Bible tells us. And if we are in Christ by faith, then we are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. God blessed Abraham so that he would be a blessing. And by faith in Christ, we are blessed in Christ so that we can be a blessing. And that's why we consider ways that we can bless others in our life, that we can engage in practical things throughout our week to recognize the needs of others and to actually do something about it to help bless them in practical ways. So if we desire, with all this, that what it taught us last week, if we desire to live out our faith, live out our theology in Christ, then we must be intentionally considering how we can bless other people. Blessing God first through praise and through admiration and through worship, but also blessing others through works of uh, kindness and generosity and sacrifice. Um, Our life group had an awesome week this last week as we dug deeper into this passage. You know, each week, many of our life groups will um, follow along in the passage from that Sunday, that, that message, and we will dig deeper. And we had such a great time to further discuss the passage, and it's already so great to see how God is using this to, to help us to be a blessing to others. You know, brief caveat on that, if you, if you don't know what life groups are, life groups are our way as a church to, to provide a context for living out our convictions and our faith, to to build relationships with others in the church, uh, ways to get to God's word and ask questions like, what does this have to do with my life and how do I live that out? So life groups are our way of doing that. And this month we kicked off a new, a new semester of life groups. And we saw this last week, and that's why I bugged you, some of the leaders, I said, hey, how many people did you have? Not because uh, we're keeping tally, but this week we were. And we saw, we saw 81 adults in a life group this last week. Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is fantastic. This is, this is like triple the amount of people in our first year as a church. So this is, this is really great. 81 adults, like 324 kids involved. Um, it felt like that. It, there weren't that many, but it definitely felt like that. And this is amazing because this is, this is so much about our expression of, of who we are as a church and, and what we, what we desire, how we desire to live out our life in that. Uh, we've seen real life change happen in these contexts. Sunday morning is awesome to gather as a people, to hear from God's word, to worship him, to form habits in our life. But our life groups are so essential if we want to see this uh, habitual change happen in our life. And they give us that, that abundant context to do so. So if you're not in a life group, um, we hope that you will pray about it, that you'll think about it, that you can say, well, is God calling me to take this next step to connect with, with others and also to grow in my faith? Um, and you can indicate that on your Connect card. You can go by the visitor table and let us know that you want to be in a life group and we'll get you plugged in. And so today, we look at the second letter uh, in our BLESS acronym. That's LISTEN. Listen to God. We listen to God's Word. Um, and let's first apply that as we listen now to God's Word as it's being read. Uh, we're going to read this morning out of Luke chapter 10. If you want to go there with me, uh, this is a familiar story maybe to, to many of you, but I uh, hope that we can read it again with fresh ears because it's really wonderful to what we need to, what we need to think about um, as it relates to being in rhythm. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, 
Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Listen here. First, I have to acknowledge that this I have never heard this passage, uh, I don't know why, I've never heard this passage preached, encouraged, spoken to, referred to in the context of men. I don't know why, uh, maybe that's just my lack of experience with it, but this is like a woman's ministry passage. This is a woman's conference passage, and it ought not be that way. I mean, this has been, maybe the many of the women here, you know, shaking their heads like, yeah, I've heard this before, if I've been in the church, I've been to a women's conference, you've, you've heard this passage. You've, you've, you've had to enter into, am I a Martha or I'm a Mary? Well, I hope that men, women, we all could look at this as God's word that is meant to instruct us and encourage us that this is a, a, a dude's dude's passage. All right? Just as much as it is for the ladies. Because it's about instilling this habit in our lives where we listen to Jesus, we listen to God through the Bible and through prayer. Where we are in this habit of listening to him. And in this passage, we get a great glimpse of what it looks like to listen to God and and what it looks like also to listen empathetically to others, intentionally to others. The first kind of listening is listening to God, listening to Jesus. And when we get in this rhythm of listening to Jesus, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a couple things that we see that happen when we get in the habit of, of listening to Jesus. The first thing is that we'll see him working in the mundane. We will see God working in the ordinary in the everything, everyday things of life. I mean, look at this profound lesson that's been brought to us, that we remember, that's familiar to us, that we have much to learn about. And it happens over the context of, of just housekeeping, of getting a meal ready. And it's important to think about this, to remember this as we begin to, to, to talk about what does it mean to, to listen to God. Everyday life prevents opportunities for growth in our faith. Every single moment in our day provides vital opportunity to grow and to know God, to hear from Him, and to listen to Him. God's intention is not that we would only be transformed by these, you know, these magnificent, uh, huge, part, huge, dramatic events in our life. And we're all, I think, a lot of times we look for those dramatic moments. God, show yourself to me in, in a burning bush. Show yourself to me in a, in a pillar of smoke. I mean, crack into my life and just make yourself evidently clear. You know, Luke, the, the apostle of Jesus, who is the author of this passage, he shows us such a critical thing about following Jesus and learning about him and listening to him, is that we must expect that God will work in the ordinary, day-to-day, mundane, everyday activities of our life. And God will work in the dramatic. I know he has, but I can count on, on one hand in my life. One hand I can count on the, the ways that God has has shown himself to me in dramatic ways where I have remembered it has, it has altered my life. It has, it has pushed me on a different trajectory. It has made me who I am. But there are, there are countless other moments 
where God has been speaking to me and, and encouraging me and directing me that I failed to hear because I wasn't listening. And so we really are, who we become is that we become that, the person who is listening intently to God in the everyday moments. Paul Tripp is a pastor and an author and, and a popular conference speaker, and, and he talks a lot about this topic, about God in the everyday, and he says this, if God doesn't rule your mundane, then he doesn't rule you. Because that's where you live. We live in the everyday. We live in the mundane. We live in the day-to-day activities. And here's one of our problems that keep us, I think, from listening well and intently to Jesus. We think that an overwhelming proportion of our day and our life is inconsequential to God. All right, think about this. Let me ask you this question just rhetorically. What percentage of your day does God truly care about that he is truly speaking to you, that he is truly wanting you to see him and listen to him in that moment. What part of your day? What part of your, maybe I can stretch it out and say, what part of your week? Now, of course you know the answer is 100%, but that's not how we live. That's not how we feel. See, we we all listen on Sunday. You're all listening on Sunday. You're listening to God because you come to church and and you know there's this part in our service where we're singing and then we open up the scriptures and you kind of get settled in and in your mind, uh, even subconsciously, you know, okay, now is the time that I'm going to listen to God. And so really in our week, in, in that one, like, 40 minutes, or on NFL game day, 30 minutes, you know, I'm trying to get through, this is the portion that I'm going to listen. That is such a small, por- small proportion, small percentage of your, of your life. Maybe... Even as we open up the Bible, you're thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen. But I, let me tell you that this, what God desires for us is that we would be listening just as intently at every moment in our, in our day. In our worship on Sunday, uh, in our work on Monday, in our folding of laundry on Monday night, wherever God finds you, He wants us to listen and sit at His feet and learn from Him. This is a, a rhythm that we ought to be in. This is a, a tremendous discipline and practice that that God calls us and invites us into. Martha's way is the way that most of us live our day-to-day. But Mary is commended by Jesus. When we listen to God, we become the person who, who grows our faith through our everyday life. So how do you know? I'll propose this question. How do, you, how do, I, how do I know if I'm a Martha or a, or a Mary? How do I know if I have this, this problem? How do I know if I have this habit that needs to, that needs to be transformed? Uh, I'll give you a couple things that you can look at, uh, a couple questions as it relates to this passage that you can think about. Am I a Martha or am I a Mary? The first one, here's, here's the first one. Do you experience inner turmoil when people do things or value things differently than you? Ding, ding, ding. Martha's busy. I mean, look at Martha. She's, she's busy. She's like hardworking. She's getting the job done. She's uh, getting dinner ready. She's always serving. She's always involved. She's always in the front there. She's, she looks at where's the, where are the holes, where are the gaps, what needs to be done, what, who needs to be served. I mean, she's, she's really a terrific woman, in fact. If someone needs anything, she knows how to help, and she's right there. She's always on. She's always busy. She's always doing things that are very good and very beneficial. And she looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you, would you tell Mary to get on board with me? Would you tell her that, to wake up and to get back in, to get with the program. And Jesus says, no, I won't do that. He says, Martha, you, you're anxious. 
you're troubled about so many things, but one thing is important, one thing's really necessary, and, and Mary is, she is doing that. She has chosen it, and I won't take it away from her. Are you anxious and troubled? Let's, let's talk about that real briefly. Anxious, I mean, this is about, you know, are you torn between just a hundred different things? You're always spinning, your mind is always in a tailspin throughout the day, and you're always uh, bumped because of... Uh, from one circumstance to another, and you're just in inner, you experience this inner turmoil, this inner anxiety, thoughts and worries. You're, you're losing sleep over things. You're fatigued physically because your mind just never sleeps. You're always on. And then he says you're troubled. And this is similar but a little different idea. He says you're kind of like a, like a capsized ship. A lot of things disappoint you in your life. You're, Martha, you're you're really disappointed about things. There are many things that bother you. Now, if you, for example, I mean, if you are okay with, if you have a smartphone and, and you have apps on there about mail and, and, and messages and text messages and things like that, and if, if you are okay with the red notification being on your email icon, you're not a Martha. There's something wrong with you. Now, I start to shake a little bit when I, some, I grab someone's phone and it's like, you know, 364 unread messages. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that, you know. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know what to do. It's just like, and some of you are thinking, what's, what's the big deal about that? I'll get to you when I can. Yeah. So if, there's, if people do things different than you, if people uh, approach their life and, and, and uh, philosophies different than you, if people act a different way than you and you start to get that inner turmoil, that inner shakes, the, the anxious, the, if you're bothered by things a lot. And Martha is probably the kind of person who never has a secret about what she's bothered about, what bothers her. And I think you know some people like that. You might even be one of those people where you think, yeah, I'm always just, there's always something I'm speaking my mind about and everybody knows it. I'm always bothered. People, things just bother me. And Jesus would tell to us, he would say, you're, you're really anxious and troubled about many things. And and you need to listen. You need to be like Mary. She's chosen this good portion. She sits at my feet and she listens intentionally to me. And, and Jesus is saying, Martha, relax. I used to work in, in food service in college and it was one of my, my, my favorite times in my life. And I worked in the back kitchen. I was a prep cook. And a prep cook is... I mean, really, these, these, these are the all-stars of the restaurant. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. So the cook, the ones that get paid all the money, all they do is heat it up, okay? The prep cook, we actually, we make everything. We're, in, we're behind. No one ever sees us. You know, we've got, like, like, you know, face for radio kind of people. where They put us back, uh, and we just, we make stuff there. And I, I loved it, but I, I worked a lot with um, uh, a lot of Hispanic, Spanish-speaking people. And I tell you how awesome this was and how fun it was. We, one guy, his name is Juan. And I remember him because he had such a huge impact in my life. And, and, and I like to think that, that it was mutual. Uh, but we had this rule that I couldn't speak English and he wasn't allowed to speak Spanish. And so, and we still had to work together very intimately. And we had to, we had, it was like one hand, he had one hand, I had the other. And we had to do the same work together. And it forced us to, to listen well to each other. And to pay attention, to see what, they were, we were, what the other person was doing, and to learn from one another. And it was, it was a thing. I, I loved it. I got a paycheck. But the thing that drew, drew me to work, to go there, was really to be with Juan and to spend my evening with him and to, to learn. Now, I wasn't a trained cook, and, and, the, and I was really frazzled. And I was the one in the back of the kitchen just, like, buzzing about, uh, not knowing what I was doing, looking feverishly over the uh, ingredient list, making sure that I didn't ruin any meal, um, 
I was stressing over recipes. And, and Juan would always come to me, and he would say this. He would say, tranquilo, amigo. And, and he would do that every night, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I was like, what does that mean? You know? And he says, relax, my friend. Relax. And every once in a while, if I was really stressed, he'd be, he would say, tranquilito. Just take it easy, my friend. Relax a little bit. And it had to have this calming effect on me. I can, hear, I can still hear his voice echo in my, in my ears as he tells me to, to, to relax, to take a seat, to just chill out and listen. Uh, Jesus says, relax. He says there's a, there's a lot to be done, but nothing, nothing is better and more important than sitting at my feet, pursuing me, and listening to me. And many things are good. Many things are good. I mean, this is so important for Martha. I mean, this is her calling in a sense. And at this time and in this cultural relevance, I mean, uh, when there was someone coming over your home, I mean, the women went into the home, they went to the kitchen, they prepared the meal. This was, their, this was in much way their identity of who they were and what they should do. And it was a good thing. And Jesus says, but there is only one thing that is necessary. How much time in your day do you stop and listen to God? Stop in your tracks. Quiet down your mind. Relax your heart and say, God, what do you have to say to me? I am listening. I sit at your feet. You know, when do you listen to God? When do you listen to him? Of course, you listen to him in your crisis. You listen to him when you've had enough, when, when you, you have just come to the end of your rope. You listen when you need him to help. You, you listen even sometimes when you have children and when uh, your family becomes more and more complex. I've heard many of you say, you know, it's, I, I've, I've had children now and my kids are starting to ask questions, so it's time for me to start to follow Jesus and know what I believe. I mean, even these times, these are good, good things to do. But this is one of Martha's struggles. She has this inner turmoil. She's frustrated, anxious, troubled, She's bothered by a lot of things. And is that you? Is that where you are today? Where your mind doesn't stop? And you keep justifying your anxiety by, this, by the, the comment, the phrase that is, but this is important and I need to do it. Yes, but Jesus says, but there's only one thing that is necessary and you are not doing it. You have forgotten how to do it. And you need to listen. You need to relax. Here's another thing that, that Mary do, Martha does that that she struggles with. You might be thinking, am I a Martha? Am I a Mary? Uh, the question is, do you mistake God's lack of perceived action in your life for his lack of care? God, would you do something already? This is what Martha says to Jesus. You see the problem. You see the trouble. You see that I'm frustrated back here all alone. Would you please do something? God, hello, are you listening? I want you to serve me. I'm drowning here. This inner turmoil, do you see what happens here? This inner turmoil that's in our heart because of how people, uh, how the external things are affecting us or even internal things affect us, like our own image of ourself, our own problems, our own things, that, wounds that we're working through. It spills out into others. And, and the worst part of this is it spills out to Jesus. It, it causes Martha not only to be irritated with her sister, but irritated with God. 
Jesus, you can make this better right now. I mean, and he could. Jesus, you can make me feel content and happy right now. You could calm my nerves right now. And Jesus says, I'm going to let you walk into this. I'm going to let this, I'm going to let you sit in this, in this, and soak in this anxiety and trouble because I need you, you to learn something. Mercifully, God does that. He allows us to sit in that circumstance so that it would push us to actually stop and listen and sit at his feet. This is the most serious thing that Martha does, is that Martha has her agenda, and it has frenzied her, it has busied her, it has frustrated and annoyed her. She's doing a lot to serve God. She's doing a lot, literally, to serve God and to bless him, and eventually she's become so frustrated with God because she has stopped listening to him. So it is possible to serve God passionately, wholeheartedly, and to do it very, very poorly. Do you believe that? Just because you are doing something in order to bless God does not mean he receives it with thanks. This can also look a a different way, you know, when we are misunderstanding uh, God's lack of perceived action and involvement in our life with his lack of care. Uh, Here's another way this looks. When you're at church, you feel very close to God. When you're reading your Bible, you feel very close to God. When you're with uh, others uh, whom you trust and in your life group and you're conversing deeply about spiritual things and you feel very close with God. And as soon as you get out of that environment and you get back to life, back to work, back to home, back to your to-do list, you feel lost. And you say, I I just need to get back to that environment, back to that context so that I feel God's closeness. This perceived presence of Jesus in your life and consequently your joy is too tightly bound to your doing of religious things that you don't know how to listen to Jesus in your everyday. And this is what it was like for Martha. Her her joy was, was and her significance and her identity and her peace was so tightly bound to just doing of these religious things. Blessing God. Serving God. Doing things that were, that were good. And this is, isn't this so ironic? Because Jesus tells us to be servants. And, and when she says, I'm serving alone, I'm, I'm, would, you tell her, would you tell Mary to serve with me? This word serve, it's, it's diakonos. It's, it's this powerful, biblical word that actually is the word that is a command for 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 us, to us, from God himself that says, serve, be a servant in this way. And Martha's saying, but I'm doing all that. And Jesus is saying, but you're, you're not listening. You're doing these things out of religion, out of, out of feel important. You're not doing it to get me. You're not doing it to, to know me, to feel close to me. You're doing these things and you're very frustrated and frenzied about them. If you only feel close to God, if you only feel close to Jesus when you are doing things for him, then you might be like Martha who has forgotten how to listen. If you only feel important to God when you are serving him through works, through actions, through giving of your time or money or talents, you might have forgotten how to listen to him in your everyday. Think of this question. What areas of your life take your focus off of God the most? Think about that context. I mean, think about it if it's, your, if it's when you were with your kids. Think about it when you're working. Think about it when you're uh, driving. Think about it when you're trying to rest. 
I mean, maybe, maybe in your social life. Maybe it's at the end of the day. Maybe it's on the weekends. Maybe these are the moments that take your life and your focus off of God the most. Do you know what those areas are? I would encourage you to think about it. To sit down and actually say, yeah, where, where do I feel most troubled, most bothered? In what context do I feel the need I need to stop the most? That's the area. That area, that moment in your life and in your day, that's the area that Jesus is saying, tranquilo, amigo. Probably in Aramaic or Greek. Relax. Listen. That moment, it's not that moment where he reveals himself to you in a, in a pillar of smoke and a talking bush. It is that moment that you are offended by a person in your life, by a friend or a spouse, and you begin to get frustrated. Jesus is saying, listen. There's a lot of things that are important. Yes, it's important that you may feel betrayed and disrespected and belittled, but there's only one thing that's necessary. Listen to me. Sit at my feet. I want to speak to you. In this moment, I want to speak to where your heart is right now because you're anxious and troubled about many things. What about your work? Whether your to-do list is so long, where you've got uh, so many uh, things that are stressing you out, where you can't sleep, there's, your desk is never empty, the desk is, is, is never at rest, you're always working on something. You say, but God, this is important, I need to provide for my family, these are all very good things, and he says, yes, they are. But your heart is troubled, your heart is anxious, and this is the moment I want you to learn to listen to me, to sit at my feet, there's only one thing that is necessary. Can you do that in that, day, in that moment in your life? And I want you to be in this rhythm, all of us to be in this rhythm, to recognize that moment where we begin to wander from listening to God, wander from Jesus' feet, hearing his instruction, and we become frenzied, and we don't even know what it looks like anymore. Mary is saying, Jesus not only is she saying, will you help her to, listen, uh, to help me, will you tell her to help me, she's also saying something about Jesus. Jesus, you, you don't know what's best right now in this moment. This is the worst thing she does. The worst thing that she does is think that her agenda at that moment is more important than Jesus's. And so we need to, we need to be in this rhythm to be reminded, to confess where we have neglected to listen to Jesus, and then we need to repent of that, turn from that habit, and embrace a different habit in our life. That is, I am going to listen intently to God, sit at His feet, learn from Him, ask Him, God, why does my heart feel this way that it feels? And without justifying why we feel that way, because you're going to be able to justify it. There's always going to be someone that wrongs you. There's always going to be a boss that takes advantage of you. There's always going to be something that you get that you do not deserve. But Jesus says, all those things are important but there's one thing that is necessary. You need to listen. You need to relax. You need to listen intently to me. Here's the other side of this coin, because listening means that we, we listen intently to God, that we allow time in our life and in our day to, for him to work in our mundane and to speak in our mundane. We need to have ears that hear him at every moment throughout our day. The other side of this coin is that we would, out of that practice, we would learn to listen empathetically to others. So we listen to God and we listen to others. Um, sometimes I'm a good listener. Sometimes I'm a very bad listener. It's true. It's probably true for you as well. Sometimes you're a good listener. Sometimes you're a very, very bad listener. Uh, the difference between the two, I think, is empathy. Uh, it's just caring. 
do I care or not? If I care, I'll listen. If I don't care, I won't listen. This is, this is true. I think of the word empathetic because I think this is an important word for us in our application. Uh, the, word, the root word pathetic. Just think about that word, pathetic. You know what that means. A pathetic person is a person who is just full of feeling and emotion. And they're, they're full of sorrow. They're full of emotion. They're full of uh, uh, grief. Uh, they're just, a, just a, a real wet blanket, if you will. Just, and you know what this feels like. You have felt pathetic at times, to use that word correctly. You felt full of emotion, uh, full of burden. So what it means to be empathetic, M means in. It means in feeling. It, it literally means that you are feeling the feelings of another person who is feeling those feelings. You are fusing yourself to those feelings so that you are feeling those feelings as that person is feeling those feelings. To listen empathetically to someone is to care, to truly care about what they are saying and listening to them with an intention and, an, and, a, and a, a desire to understand and to feel and to know and to be there in order to be a blessing to them. That's what it means to listen in this way, and we want to do that. Thinking of a story that you want to share just as soon as that person stops talking, that's not listening empathetically. Gossiping over somebody that has hurt you who is feeling feelings, that is not listening empathetically. Gossip is the opposite of listening with empathy. It's not caring about what somebody is saying and then saying something to somebody else that furthers, then invites them to also not care about what that person's feeling. What frees you from caring so much about what you have to do is realizing that Jesus listens empathetically to us. How can we become a better person who listens empathetically to others is realizing that Jesus listens empathetically to us. Look at what he has done. He doesn't just give us a to-do list. God hears our sorrows. He hears our feelings. He hears our cares. He sees our plight and our struggle. He sees our burden that is so great that we cannot fix it. We cannot do anything about it. We are on this course of perpetual sorrow and uh, really being a pathetic person. He sees our pathetic state. And he comes down into our life and history. He becomes a man like us. He takes on our life. And yet having no sin, he lives our life. He experiences our burdens. He fuses himself to our sorrows and our grief. And he dies on the cross for us. He takes the, not only the burden, but he also takes the, the punishment. The punishment of not listening to God. He takes it upon himself. He's crucified for our sins. He dies our death. He, he rises from the grave in victory over guilt and shame so that we can experience what it's like to feel like a son and daughter of God. How do you cultivate these things? Because this is important as we go from here. How can I be a better listener to God? How can I be a better listener to others empathetically listening? And I want to leave you with, with a few things here. and we'll, we'll go through them. There's four um, and I think they're really helpful. The first one is that believe that God will never forsake you. You are accepted. In Christ, you are accepted. Get it in your head. Like, here's, here, let me be very, very frank. Do whatever you think you need to do to believe this. I mean, seriously, drill it in deep. That in Christ, God will never leave you. 
He will never forsake you. You will never be at a place where he has abandoned you. I mean, just believe this. And I'm not saying, just take my word for it. I'm saying, no, get to a place where you are convinced of this wholeheartedly. Because if you don't have this, you're not going to trust him. How can you trust somebody who, who you don't think is going to be there when you're hurting? How can you trust somebody? How can you love somebody whom you don't trust? How can you follow someone who invites you, give me your life, leave your life, and follow my plan for you if you don't believe that they're going to be there when you truly need them? Drill it into your head. And I think the, the hard thing is that most of us even think at times that in our heart of hearts, we don't believe that God truly loves us this way. We don't believe that he's a good father. Probably because of we haven't had a good example in our own lives of our earthly fathers. We haven't had a good example. of I, I, I know people can be good, but I don't believe they can be ultimately good. There will be something in my life where God turns a deaf ear and a blind eye, and I'm going to feel all alone. There's a clue here in, in verse 40 that exposes this fear I think that we all have. Uh, Martha says this, Lord, do you not care? Remember what she says. Lord, don't you, do you not care that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Catch the end of that. Don't you care that, that Mary has left me here to serve alone? The word alone is straightforward enough, but possibly a better translation of this, if we understand this original language, is, is pretty profound, profound. Martha is saying, God, don't you care that my sister has left me here to serve, alone, serve as one who has been forsaken? This must be the greatest fear that she has, and this must be the greatest fear that any of us have. The fear of being insignificant, forgotten by God, forsaken by him, rejected and unaccepted. The biggest fear that we have is, what if God doesn't truly care? What if he doesn't love me? What if this promise that is so good is not true for me because I know my record, I know my history, I know who I am in my own heart? What if I, God died for sinners, I get that, and I know that I am one, but I don't believe I don't believe that there's anybody like that who can truly accept me. This is Martha's fear. What if I'm left alone? What if I'm abandoned? Is that your fear with God? Your fear that you will be utterly forsaken because he'll, one day he'll find out what you're truly like? And I think that's sometimes why we don't listen to other people too is because we are afraid that they will utterly forsake us if they find out what we're truly like. And so we, instead of listening to them, we talk a lot. We build our, we're constantly building our resume with other people, giving people reasons. Here's reasons why I'm an acceptable person, why I'm good, why, why you should want to be around me. And we do that with God. God, look at how I serve. Look at how I act. Look at how I treat other people. Look at all the things that I'm doing. Please don't forsake me. But God knows that. He knows this feeling. He knows what it's like. God, who is in all glory, he, Jesus became a man, and he was forsaken by God so that we would be accepted. This is the truth of the gospel. This is amazing. Why should we not have to fear that God will forsake us one day? Because Jesus was forsaken in our place. Jesus calls his, his father, God, he calls God his father, and he teaches us this is how you should pray. There's no accident that the next verse that we read after this passage is, it says, uh, it says Jesus went, behold, Jesus, where he went, and he was praying. He went and was praying. And he teaches us how to pray. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and then he says, Father, this is how you should pray. Father, hallowed be your name. At every instance when Jesus is praying and he teaches us how to pray, he says, 
Address him as your father. He's a good father. And there's one part, one point in his life, and only one, I think. As we've looked through it all, there's only one place where he doesn't address him as father. He calls him, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a one time where Jesus did not, where he was ripped out of the family, where he was forsaken by God, and it was on the cross when he was dying for our sins. And he did that so that we, by faith in him, would never be forsaken. Do you, get, do you believe this? Do whatever you need to do to get to a point where you are understanding that by faith in Christ, your sins are paid for, you're accepted, you're in the family, and he will not forsake you. This is pretty great. Um, six days before Jesus was crucified, Mary, Martha, and Jesus were in a room. They're having dinner. In a different situation, a different story. Mary gets up, she takes perfume that is extremely valuable, she rushes over to Jesus and she pours it over his feet and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. She's using all this money, this very, very valuable. She's saved this up probably for her wedding at one point. She's saved it up. It is, uh, it is worth a lot of money. And some there are saying, why is she doing this? She could, at least she could sell this to the poor and use that money to build your kingdom, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, she's doing the right thing. At this point... At, at, at the close of Jesus' earthly ministry, Mary knew the gospel probably better than anybody. See, Jesus was talking all the time about there would be a time where he was forsaken, he would die for our sins, that he would be on the cross, but they didn't need to worry, and no one really got it. But I think Mary got it. Mary knew. She knew that she deserved to be forsaken by God, but Jesus was going to go in her place, and she anoints him with this perfume. That is so valuable. She knew that she was accepted based on his record and not her own record. And you know, think about this. Why did, how did she get this that, and no one else did? Because she was listening to Jesus. She was sitting at his feet. When he was talking, she was soaking it in. She was trusting him. And she knew that she would be accepted because he would be forsaken. It's pretty great. The second thing that we could do to cultivate this is, is humbly sit at Jesus' feet. This is the application for us. Humbly sit as we, what does this mean? It means that we're getting before God's word and saying, teach me, teach me about who you are. Teach me about who I am. Teach me how to follow you. This is, this is a picture of humility. It's sitting at his feet and learning from him. It's a picture of discipleship. We cannot learn from God and listen to God like we're getting, you know, briefings as we rush through our day. Like we're getting ready for the day. Okay, God, I got, I got a couple minutes. Let's, let's get it going. Okay, I'll read a few verses and let's see. Okay, didn't really do anything for me. We'll try again next, next week. We just rush through our day, and we, we, I'll, get, I'll get a, you know what, I didn't have time to sit before God, but I'll, I'll, I'll put on Caleb uh, as I drive into work, and that'll do it. I'll listen to God that way. Oh, maybe I'll just, uh, I'll just sit in silence. Maybe that is it. We just want to be rushing through our life. But Mary is an example of humbly sitting, stopping everything. She knew when to quit. Do you see this? She knew when to get up. Martha says, she has left me to serve alone. So there's, there's a hint there that maybe Mary was serving with Martha, getting everything ready, and as soon as Jesus came, she stopped, and she went to be with him. She knew when to quit. Do you know when to quit? Like, do you know when to just quiet down and say, this is a time I need to stop and I need to listen to Jesus? It's like when, if you have children, you know what this is like. You cannot teach your kids any valuable lessons as they're running around the house, as you're playing games, Hey, I've got to tell you something really important about your life that needs to, you know, to shape your heart. Let's do it as we're you know, playing in the yard. But you sit them down and you hold them by both shoulders and you say, I need to tell you something that's really important. Look at me. Look at me in the eyes. 
and they want to drift away, they want to look somewhere else, but you need to look at me. This is what we do with children. This is what God desires to do with us. And it's a position of humility, sitting before him. Thirdly, be prepared to listen to someone else this week. One of the reasons why we might not be a great listener is because we don't expect that someone will need to speak to us today. We're caught off guard. This is true. We're caught off guard by, by people. So they come up and they share something. We don't, we're not prepared for it, and so we just don't know what to do. Expect that tomorrow someone will need to say something to you and they will need you to be an empathetic listener. If you expect it, you'll see that opportunity and you'll enjoy it. And you'll be a blessing to them. And lastly, pray for spiritual maturity. Is this something that you lack in? Do you have a hard time listening to Jesus, listening to others? Well, pray for spiritual maturity. It is an issue, and it's, it's an issue of spiritual maturity. God is our Father. Jesus has taught us how to pray. He teaches us to sit humbly before Him, to go before God, to pray to Him, to quiet down our heart, to seek His wisdom. This is something that we can grow in. We can grow to be more and more like Jesus like this. Let's pray.